Welcome to episode 118 of Tim Talk, the podcast about the DC animated universe, co-created by Bruce Tam. I am Chris Lord. I'm Cameron Dexter. And we are back with normal Batman Beyond action this week. And I wish it was a good one. Yes, we are back with two of the stupidest most tedious now hold on episodes hold on. we've these had have, in the entire dcau these have potential potential they, they may have they didn't live up to any of that potential the execution is horrible i was as i was reading up on trivia uh bruce tim has even acknowledged that like he likes the potential setup at the end of the first part of this mm-hmm. and he feels the second part is a huge letdown i think they both suck yeah i don't care at all I don't care at all what happens on these episodes. I love the trope. I know we're, we have news to talk about first, but I'm going to talk about this for a second. Mm-hmm. I love the trope of early 2000s animation where it's like, how do we subtly show that this character is going to be bad? How about deep, deep eyeliner? <laughs> yeah, that's subtle <laughs> enough. I mean, never trust a man with eyeliner. That's true, especially in the early 2000s. No. I mean, now it's well, like once once the the pop punk emo phase came in came in, it, came, it became really hard to tell who was just a general bad person and who's an actual bad guy. Yeah, we must know who's these a things. bad person who's just a big fan of Green Day. <laughs> yeah, these these were awful. Um, we will get to them. We do have a little bit of news to cover first, but not as awful as something else we saw this week. Oh Jesus! Yeah, let's start with that. So oh, I'm so excited. Uh, those of you listening may, or if you're lucky, may not have seen the Sonic the Hedgehog quote-unquote live-action film trailer that came out this week. I'm so excited. <laughs> it, I mean, I will say this. Mm-hmm. It's got Jim Carrey as uh, and he, Dr. Robotnik. Yeah, he is... A lot of my friends have been talking about, like, how could he do something like this? Like, why is he in this? I'm like... As an actor, that's probably so much fun to play yeah. a role like that, where you can literally do whatever you want. It's the closest role I think we're going to get to a 90s Jim Carrey role. Yeah, probably. Like, this is, it's just evil, it's kind of evil Ace Ventura. Yeah. Uh, I also love that over the majority of the trailer, he has, like, his normal haircut, but with, like, a, a, a bit of a Snidely Whiplash-esque. Yeah mustache and then towards the end of the trailer we get one shot of him with a full-on like bald cap bald cap Where you see the line of the bald cap you see the line of the bald cap you have the crazy hair the crazy mustache i'm like oh that's probably from the like the post credit sting or the final shot of the movie yeah and they're just throwing it in there just to try and appease people mm-hmm. but what everyone's obviously talking about is the fact that sonic not only looks nothing like his video game counterpart or every iteration we've seen of him so far he looks horrible he looks so bad <laughs> he's got like Tiny eyes, a lot of teeth, like weird. It's, it's weird... a human face with no eyebrows. I realize that's yeah. one of the big concerns. Oh, he's no yeah. eyebrows? Yeah, because in Does the... Sonic, the cartoon character, have eyebrows? Uh, I think they're thin eyebrows, but he has big enough eyes to emote regularly. Right. Uh, whereas this, like that, because there's the famous comparison shot of like, uh, from Detective Pikachu when people are like, oh, look, Pikachu's so cute. And the parallel of James Marsden holding a gun to Sonic, Sonic. and his very scary face. Yeah, I guess... And the thing is, like, there's no emotion in that face. Cause, I mean, he's supposed to look scared. Yeah. And it's just a guy with his mouth open because they didn't animate... They I, Above... There's, I don't think there's a nose. Or I, maybe... He, I don't remember. There's just no emotion no, He has a mouth. nose. 
Yeah, he kind he, I mean, we're given that Jim Carrey's in this movie. He kind of looks like the Jim Carrey live-action Grinch. Like Okay. Yeah, 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 I see that. Yeah, it's like his eyes, there's not enough there to show like exactly like the, the expression on his face. Um, and I don't understand that, that trend of like trying to humanize everything. He's clearly not, he's clearly an animal. Yeah. Well, like it's, you brought up a good contrast. Whereas with Pokemon, they look just like their animated versions, but they've just been textured. Yes. To look realistic. And it's so weird. They didn't do that here. Like make him look cartoonish. But I I think beyond just the, the backlash, the more interesting part of the story is that the director has come forward and said that they're going to change things. So uh, Jeff is Fowler so is the director. fucking funny. Like, I I don't know how to feel about that. Like, the obvious answer to this is just do it right the first time. Yes. And then you won't have this problem. But the idea of him coming out and saying that they're going to change it, obviously that's reaction to the fans. It's acknowledged even in his tweet it's reaction. So unless they're going to go through and completely change his look all over the movie, which I imagine this would be hard to do because it's due out sometime this year. I don't know when. I, I think, don't... I think uh, like Christmas season. Okay. Um, oh, it looks like it's maybe in November sometime. Okay. Yeah. 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 November 8th. Winter, so, yeah. okay. Yeah. But like that would require, I mean, you imagine that this character is in like the vast majority of the shots. It's a lot of work mm-hmm. to digitally go through. And cause it's not even just like, his face. Like if they were to do it properly, they'd have to change his profile. Oh, I don't think they're going to change. I don't think they're going to change as much as we think. I think they're going to, they're going to make the eyes bigger. I feel like that, that's the, the easiest correction. And maybe less teeth. (laughs) Maybe less teeth. Uh, yeah. Cause even, you know, cause we're, we're both part of the, the great mates new fan group. Yes. Uh, where a lot of people showed like just enlarging the eyes, like 150%. Made him look so much more normal. Yeah, and less human teeth. Yeah, and so I, I don't know exactly the process for three D animation for a film. If it is as easy as just like going to the master model and just tweaking that, if that'll update the rest of the film. Yeah, I'm sure there's you know small nitpick things you're gonna have to fix through and through. Um, but if it's that, if it's just that, then yeah, then they I think they will kind of. Uh, make him more based off his character model. Because I, I agree with you. I, I don't think they're going to do as much as we would hope they would do. I say we. I don't really give a shit. Um, I'm so excited for this movie. Like I, mean, I, I can't wait for it to be the big... I, the way I described it, it's not just a train wreck. It's like the train crashed, <laughs> fell in the ocean, found, a, <laughs> found an underwater volcano, was shot back up into space hits a satellite, lands back on the train track, and crashes another train. That's fair. I can't wait for that. That's very fair. No, it looks terrible. Like, I'm looking at, uh, this is like a, a Kotaku article. Someone went through and just did, like, a digital fix. And even just, like, the mild, yeah. the mild digital fix, which basically all it means is you, like, thin out his legs, you... Shorten the torso. Shorten the torso, and you enlarge the head, and you enlarge the eyes. That's basically And the ears a little bit. So basically all they did, and it looks... So, so much better. But I just think that this idea... You know who this movie is for? I now just realized this. Mm. Looking at the left the left photo. This this movie is for all the people on Hollywood Boulevard that dress as Sonic. Yes. They're trying to make their life as easy as possible. Right, because it looks like just a, a short... Like a, a maybe a horse racing jockey in a Halloween costume. Yeah. 
they're trying they're trying to give one back to all those really struggling people on Hollywood Boulevard. Oh, I mean, they've always and in needed, Times Square and they've you know, needed a boost. Else. Yeah. Um, but I just think this idea is super interesting of a director going, Hey, we fucked this up, we're gonna fix it. That is it's good to have that sort of awareness, mm-hmm. but it's bad that, that awareness is only because of a reaction. And I think appeasing fans is a slippery slope. Oh, yeah, especially gamers. Yes. Because no one's happy in that community. Because let's be honest, we're probably only ever going to get one good video game movie, and it sounds like it's... And we already did. It's called Detective Pikachu. Detective Pikachu, exactly. Because yeah. you've seen it. I did see it. It's How really good. How did you good. see it? Did you, was it a preview screening? Uh, Yeah, Warner Brothers invited me. And you you went to see Endgame a third time. Yeah, but you could have texted me. You already said you were going. I probably would have skipped Endgame to go see Detective <laughs> Pikachu. I mean, I'll see it again. It's really cute. Yeah. I mean, look, I'm happy I went and saw it. I'm also glad you got a chance to see it because it's going to come out while you're in Japan. So I'm glad mm-hmm. you got a chance to see it ahead of time. Are you going to go yes. see it while you're in Japan too? Uh, probably not. Yeah. I don't think I have time for... I mean, I would hope you would right actually now. spend your time like enjoying Japan. And yeah, not... I'm too busy at Disneyland. <laughs> yeah, you'd be too busy at Tokyo Disney. Um, um, but no, this is a very slippery slope. We're yeah. only ever going to get one good video game movie. Stop trying to appease fans because you can't give them what they want. I think another thing a lot of gamers know about the Sonic franchise is this is very on par with Sonic fan expectations because there hasn't been a good Sonic game in... I mean, but, Sonic Generations is good. But there hasn't been a good original Sonic game in maybe 20 years. How warmly do people consider the Dreamcast one? Because I remember we had that game. I didn't really play it. My brother I think that's the first Sonic Adventure, right? I want to say. I think Was that the first 3D mm-hmm. one? I feel like people like that one, right? I remember um, that being For good. the time, yeah. It was, it, was, it was pretty, you know, I don't say revolutionary because yeah. there were already 3D games. But it was... It, it was the first non-side-scrolling Sonic game. Yeah. And so and fans have always been very split on that. For me, you know, uh, Sonic Adventure 2 Battle, which was originally on... Dream? No, it was originally on Genesis. Right? I, I don't know. That, that, did that come after Dreamcast? No, Dreamcast was after Genesis. Okay. Genesis was like... The first one? 80s. Okay. Dreamcast was I'm sorry 90s. for all of my, my gamer friends back home that I don't know this as well as I should. How dare you? Um, so, yeah. So, so, the first Sonic Adventure 2 came out on the Dreamcast then, and then the Dreamcast failed, and so they put it out on, on a Nintendo system, which was so such a shock for nerds all around oh, the world. Oh, right, because that long battle between... Sega yeah, and if, if people have the time, there's a great book called Console Wars talking about how Nintendo just destroyed every everyone else in the video game market, especially Sega, mm-hmm. to the point where they would, um, Sega would have a bunch of subsidies. Nintendo would buy out the subsidy, uh, like double their price, buy them out, and then shut them down. So they couldn't make anything else for Sega. What a bunch of dickholes. Yeah, like Nintendo was fucking ruthless in the 90s. I think they're still kind of ruthless. They, they absolutely are. Yeah, that, that, that hasn't changed at all. Well, I think, I think uh, Sony and Microsoft realized like, okay, we can't get anywhere near what Nintendo's doing. So we're going to stay in our lane. Just do, what we're, just do what we're doing and we'll let them do what they're doing. <laughs> yeah, it, uh, I just, I don't care. I just don't care, I know, I just I don't care about this movie. I, I have 
no interest in Pokemon, and I'm only excited for Detective Pikachu because it looks super, super fun. Mm-hmm. But I think part of it, I'm excited because I don't have that sort of fandom for it. That looks great, but like, I have no Yeah, and you, and you don't have to be a fan. No. Like, this like, movie is, is, it does a really good job of like, there's little bits for fans, but overall, the movie is for everyone. For everyone, yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, I think even if they released the Sonic trailer that looked authentic, I mm-hmm. still wouldn't care or probably see it. Yeah. My, um, my, my last point on the Sonic thing is if they don't include Blue by Apple 65, I will demand my money back. I would, I don't know what that is, but I also... You know the song. I'm Blue, W-W-Die. Oh, is that part of Sonic? No, but Sonic is Blue, and this is the best opportunity to bring that song back. A really shitty movie about a 1990s character. You just out-dad-joked me. How do you feel about that, Cameron? That's not even a dad joke. It totally is a dad joke. It's Barely. like, he's, he's blue, so we're going to play the song Blue yeah. by something, something. Eiffel 65. It's a great band. They had one album. I'm gonna they st- taught me how to spell PlayStation. I'm going to stop you. Uh, <laughs> um, shall we talk very briefly about this news that I think only you care about? Sure. They have found a director for the quote-unquote live-action <laughs> yes. Rugrats movie. Uh, in the form of Diary of a Wimpy Kid director David Bowers. Yeah. Um, I don't care. <laughs> the only reason I brought this up is the report so far about this movie is that it's going to be live action, but the babies are going to be CGI. That sounds horrifying. I can't wait. Absolutely horrifying. As long as they give them the tiny, tiny eyes of Sonic. <laughs> and the full mouth of human teeth. Just the most grotesque <laughs> teeth possible. Yeah. It's such a weird thing. I don't even know what to say about that. Is but there it, any 90s Nick show you think would be good as a live action remake? Wild Thor Marys. Yes. Because now that I think about it, every other show would have been better than Rugrats. Uh, no, I think, the, yeah, I think the Wild Thor Marys, I mean. Doug? Um, I think you could definitely do a live action Doug. It wouldn't be for us. It would be for kids. I... I think you could, but that show is so deliberately stylized. Mm-hmm. Um, I think you. I think do, you do it in the si- in the same style as Di- Diary of a Wimpy Kid. I think you do lose something there, though. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, the whole thing is like you know, Skeeter's blue and Roger's green, and like these are these characters. The reason I said the Wild Thornberry specifically was that show is stylized, but not overly stylized. Mm-hmm. And I think if you do the translation to live action, you don't lose that much in terms of taking away the stylized nature of it but that general idea plays well for the sort of scope and spectacle that you could do in live action mm-hmm. and you have enough grounds to throw in a little bit of action to make it work yeah um i mean if they're gonna do it like Dora the explorer style it's probably not gonna be <laughs> very very very, very good um i mean that movie's not for us i know it looks <laughs> not ter- for anyone it, it looks terrible <laughs> for me but i'm sure kids will love it but i mean i would watch a wild thornberry's live action movie Mm-hmm. Um, but also if you're going to do that, you obviously still have to cast Tim Curry as Nigel Thornberry. Oh yes, absolutely. You can't have anybody else but Tim Curry doing that voice. Well, I'm, I was seeing, um, who is the werewolf from what we do in the shadows? <gasps> Reese Dobby. Yes. Uh, he would be a great Nigel. I'm on board. You know what? That's the one exception. <laughs> the one exception I'm willing to sacrifice the, if this Beautiful is a, voice of Tim Curry for Restarby. If this is a full, like, New Zealand movie, the Wild Thornberrys film, it'd be amazing. Could you imagine? Oh, okay, wait. I think if that's the case, do you do Taika Waititi as the voice of Darwin? 
Uh, I feel like the character doesn't work with Taika Waititi's voice. No, I think Taika would do um, the um, Donnie, the the kid who doesn't oh, say anything. Okay, I can just see. Makes I can see Donnie. I would also love the idea of just like some other random person in that movie being Jemaine Clement. Mm-hmm. Actually, that's what you do. You cast both of them as like live action characters in it somewhere. Yeah. They're they're the rival uh, film crew. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. my god. <laughs> Wait, hang on. Okay, you do Jermaine Clement as the star, like Taika Waititi as, as the, the producer, as oh, the, the no, cameraman. As the, yeah, as the, as the uh, low-status cameraman. I'm, I'm just, on like, board. Who's, who's always just carrying around the giant tripod. Yes. I, okay, I'm on board. I want to watch this movie. Mm-hmm. Take your Sonic. Take your Rugrats. <laughs> give me Wild Thornberries yeah. starring Reese Darby, Jermaine Clement, and Taika Waititi. Give it to me now. Because the other one I was thinking was, I think All Real Monsters could be cool live action. But, I mean... "Quote unquote live action." Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like if you yeah, because they would still be very much CGI. CGI monsters with live action people. I can see that. I can see that working. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, um, I would. That's one that I'd be okay seeing like Tim Burton take that one on because that's I, already in I, his style. I would say not because when was the last time Tim Burton made a good movie? In a while. Frank and Weenie. I'd say Frank and Weenie's great. Yes, or at least good. Maybe not necessarily great, but I mean that was two thousand. 14, 15. Oh, I think earlier than that. Maybe 12. I think around 11, yeah. 11 or 12. Mm-hmm. It's been a while. It's <laughs> yeah, been a while. And, a if, while. and if you've seen Dumbo, you know what I'm talking I about. I have seen Dumbo. It's fucking terrible. Uh, um, what's the worst cartoon? Sorry, I'm just going to railroad this for another minute. Do you see? We have a clock here. Yeah, but do we're you not going to have a lot to talk about with these episodes. I mean, yes, I agree with you in general. I'm just saying, we're on almost 20 minutes. Yeah. What's the worst cartoon that could be adapted to live action? Beavis and Butthead. Okay. I was going to say Johnny Bravo. Yeah, that's also a good call. <laughs> Johnny Bravo's... Uh, not not style-wise. Like, everyone looks like that now. Yeah. But um, content-wise, you can't really have that be a character anymore. It's a little rapey. A little bit. Um, yeah, that's probably a good one. Uh, I would love a Dexter's Lab show live action movie yeah but i don't again i don't think it'd be for us though i i think you lose a lot there mm-hmm. going to live action because again those characters are so stylized and i think it it would just i think in the same way when they did kim possible's live action like this just doesn't work because these characters when you actually try and embody them in live action like teenage performers mm-hmm. You do lose something. Well, with Dexter, I think it's different because he's never doing any crazy movements. He's building things, and then he the things he builds are the things that go crazy. Like he over exaggerates, but he's never doing like like he's never doing martial arts. Yeah, but just think about how that would look. Because okay, let's say they're gonna green light a Dexter's Lab movie. Okay. How have I fallen into this fucking trap you set for me? <laughs> Let's say they're gonna green light a Dexter's Lab movie. They're going to cast like, I don't know, one of the Stranger Things kids, mm-hmm. um, Dustin. Yeah, I was gonna say Dustin. They cast him. Imagine him in a red wig. Actually, like, he's too nice. A red hair well. wig and big ass glasses and a lab coat, like weirdly shuffling his feet around a laboratory, would look very weird. I agree. I just don't think it works. Well, because I think you're you're 
still still kind of stuck between the two worlds. But I think it's going to have to be more realistic than what you're thinking. But I think the problem is when you make it too realistic, you lose a lot. Absolutely. And I think that's... Because, again, these aren't for us. These these would be for younger kids. Yeah. Um, And for that generation, I think that's just... You know, okay. no one, no one makes any new properties anymore. Here, here's the last thing we'll say on this. Okay, Na- I have 17 Na- more points. <laughs> I know that's why I'm insisting is the last thing. Name one really good, mm-hmm. like really, really good adaptation of a kids' cartoon to a live action feature length film. Oh well, feature length is not fair because there's, there's. But that's the only option. Many. That's what we're talking about here. We're talking about a feature length film, theatrical release, feature length film. Distributed by Paramount in this case, because we're talking Nickelodeon. So yeah. name one. There aren't any. Thank you. <laughs> I rest my case. Uh, it's because we haven't been on it yet, Chris. That's true. Well, we did just crack Wild Thornberry. We, we did so we should, figure out the perfect Wild Thornberry. We should get cast. on this. Um, okay, I do want to talk a little bit about Endgame. Uh, I think I have now seen it another time. You've seen it a third. I, I have not. You have not. Um, also, I don't know if I could see it a third for a while. I will say this, having seen it a third time, I liked it more. I was not looking forward to going into the third time. I was uh, I like deliberately had a beer beforehand, hoping I'd sleep for the first two hours. I did not. Um I liked it more coming out the third time. I will also say I finally cracked time travel. You did, yes. You, you I, mentioned I, this. I, I and finally I'm, cracked I'm time travel to hear in your... Marvel's Endgame. Um we will be recording a MCU ranking episode literally immediately after this. I will talk about it there. Mm-hmm. I'll talk about it more, but I want to go box office on this. Cause I think this is interesting. We do love talking about this stuff. Um, so as of today, May 4th, may the fourth be with you. And also with you. Exactly. Uh, thank you. Catholic star Wars fans. Yes. Uh, as of today, the movie is probably going to hit 2 billion worldwide. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the franchise as a whole, meaning the entire MCU, uh, has it's been grossed... out for 15 days, right? Um, yeah, that sounds no yeah yes it came out no it came out the 26th i think it came out like the hang on eight days the movie's only been out for eight days okay so i think what i think it premiered on one to like the 23rd maybe no 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 we had we had tickets for this okay no no look it premiered like in the united states on the 26th ak screenings from the 25th the actual LA premiere, I want to say, was like the 22nd or 23rd, and I think it's the same day it premiered in China. So yes. its first release 26th date... 26th was, was... Yeah. Chinese release, I want to say, was beginning of that week. So even if that's true... One, two, three, four, five, six, six... Eight days. Even if it came out on the 22nd in China, 13 days globally. Fastest movie ever to hit $2 billion. Most people believe it's going to beat Titanic. People are still skeptical if it can beat Avatar. I know. I... <laughs> Everyone's so ready for Avatar to be dethroned. I know, because it's not that good. Um, but I honestly think Avatar will be a hard one to beat because it is a movie that came out at Christmas, which mm-hmm. as we've seen, if if you can release a big budget four quadrant mostly film at Christmas time that will draw in like the family audience. And if you can make it a cultural event that people have to see, people will go. So we're talking Avatar, we're talking um, The Force Awakens, I think especially. Mm-hmm. I think you have a hard time doing hitting that same sort of cultural moment again because that was before 
3D technology was considered like stupid, right? And that I frankly, mean, it always has been. I, I will stand that that was the peak of 3D. That was the peak of 3D. Sorry, no, it's only second to Spike Kids 3D game over. <laughs> that was a movie that you like. Even I, who hate 3D, saw in 3D and can appreciate what they can appreciate what mm-hmm. they did in 3D. That was a movie that like a whole bunch of people went to go see around the holidays and Everyone saw, it saw it multiple times saw it multiple times saw yeah, it i think that's the big thing is i don't think in-game has the same replay value i think it is getting that kind of replay value for different reasons um but i think the big difference is is that avatar will always have the 3d ticket price attached now obviously ticket prices have gone up a lot since then mm-hmm. but the vast majority of people going to see this are still probably going to go see it in 2d and it's very expensive to see a movie in LA. I mean, it's expensive across the board. Yeah. But like for us, it, I mean, going to see a movie, it's no less than like 15 bucks, which if I recall around the time that Avatar came out was about the price maybe or so to go see it in 3d. But that was everyone in every theater pretty much going to see it yeah. that way. Well, I think, I think the reason Avatar was able to stretch out their money for so long is a problem that no other big movies going to live up to. And it's with in-game, everyone sees it at the very beginning. Yes. And then it peters off. Yeah. Whereas Avatar, since there wasn't the same bubble of interest in the very beginning. Well, there wasn't that same fear of spoilers. Well, yeah, there, were, there, there, there was a fear of spoilers. But also, like, you had the big audience coming in at the beginning. And then they're like, oh, shit, you have to see this movie. Mm-hmm. And then you brought in all of the casual fans that were like, not even on the fence. They were just like, no, I don't have any interest in this. They yeah. are getting dragged in. Yeah. So then you have a whole, you know, it's, it's the greatest showman effect. Yeah, that's true. Where you it had builds up over time. Yeah. And, and, I, and I don't think any superhero or star Wars film will have that same ability. Well, no. It, and uh, it sounds a little disingenuous to call avatar an original story, considering <laughs> it's basically just Pocahontas or dances of wolves or any of those other things we've seen fucking before but it's a standalone film yes you contrast that at the with, moment at the moment but i mean it's, it was the first which makes yes. a difference you contrast that with the force awakens which you know was the seventh movie so if you weren't already a fan of star wars or you had gotten tired of the ubiquity with which star wars pervaded pop culture you were tired of it I think there are a lot of people that are refusing to see m game for that very same reason mm-hmm. as well like they don't like the mcu or they're like well, i don't know what the hell's going to be going on because it's really not for casual fans anymore those things work for it when it comes to fans that work against it in terms of the general audience. Yes. I, I honestly think it's going to be a very long time, if ever, for something to beat Avatar. Agreed. But I'm fine for it to beat Titanic that movie's not very good either. Wow. James Cameron hasn't made a good movie since True Lies. Was that after uh, Terminator 2? Yes. Okay. Terminator 2 was 92. True Lies was... 95. I think, yeah, 95. Yeah, because it was in... The Titanic was 97, yeah, so it was yeah. like 95. True Lies is fucking amazing. I've never seen it. Did you see that article? I think Trevor shared it. Um, I don't remember what site, but they had one of their writers who had never seen a Marvel movie or read a Marvel comic. Oh, I saw the link, but I haven't read it yet. I read the first half of it, and it's it's great. Is it? Yeah. it's You have a person with no comic book knowledge watching in-game cold and writing about his experience. That's, that's and it's great. Be fucking bizarre yeah. experience, I'm sure. 
Um, okay, last two little bits uh, of things here. Uh, we should at some point talk DC stuff because technically that's what we're here to talk about. Yeah, sure. Uh, we did get one bit of casting announcement. So James Gunn has cast uh, actor David Dosmalkian in The Suicide Squad as Polka Dot Man. Yes, we know him from Ant-Man and Dark Knight. The Dark Knight, yeah. Yes. He plays the um, like one of the psychopaths that... Uh, shoots at Gordon during the um, the mayor's funeral mm-hmm. and like gets captured by Harvey Dent. Yes, he and also, also he's one of the three friends. Yes, yes, he's the A-Man. one who keeps talking about Baba Yaga. That's right, Baba Yaga. Baba Yaga. Um, I like him. I think he's good. I think he, um, yeah, he's got range. He just even those two movies alone, mm-hmm. he's definitely funny and he's a little bit weird just in terms of his. And that's very and much this character. Is and that's this character. Weird. I don't know much about Polka Dot Man. You and I were kind of talking about it a little bit beforehand. It sounds crazy. Um, and this movie is certainly shaping up to be weird. At the end of the day, James Gunn, he's a good director. Uh, I think he's good at casting as well. Um, you're not going to hear me say the words I'm excited about that movie. But uh, I think if you were looking to maybe try and build up some potential hope, that's not a bad casting choice. So we we had this very brief conversation before recording, which I think is I think it was it's worth bringing up on the podcast. Um, Doom Patrol is being very successful right now. Yeah. Do you think slash are you worried that DC will look at that success and use that as a blanket to cover the rest of their properties of just like oh people just want weird, let's just make everything weird now. I think that a reasonable studio would (laughs) not care that a comparatively lower budget TV show on a very niche streaming platform is doing well and pull that DNA into its major box office films. Um, But that being said, this is Warner Brothers. Yes. They They love blankets. They love to... They weave them like crazy. Weave these crazy blankets. They love to take the wrong lesson from things. They love to apply broad tones to things that don't work. Um, the fallout from the Dark Knight is, as we have talked about, is evidence of that. It wouldn't entirely surprise me um, if that's the way they go, but I don't think it would necessarily have to do with specifically Doom Patrol. Okay. I think it might have to do a bit more with. Uh, Aquaman, which is also in its own way kind of weird. Yeah. Like, in a very generic way, it's kind of weird. Um, I think what they might end up doing is leaning a bit more into what the filmmakers want to do. And probably... Which is smart. That's that's the smartest lesson you could take. It is smart. I mean, I certainly think if Wonder Woman 1984 is much more of a Patty Jenkins film than the first Wonder Woman was, that'll be for the best. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, I think if the Suicide Squad is even more of a James Gunn film than David Ayer's Suicide Squad, that is for the best. But I would also... Think of the soundtrack. Oh, I haven't thought about the soundtrack yet. Because look, the soundtrack for the first one is good. It's just clunky. And it doesn't quite work. Mm -hmm. Good songs, though. But I think that they will probably let James Gunn make a weird movie and then pull the wrong lessons from that. It's just Cherry Bomb 12 times. Fucking love Cherry Bomb. I'm on board with it. (laughs) I don't know. What about you? Do you think they're going to do that? Do you think they're going to like take the wrong lesson? And um, No, I agree with what you said. I, I think Doom Patrol is too low on the radar for them to care as much as I want them to. And I think those are very separate divisions, mm-hmm. too. I mean, I, I don't know exactly how the uh, creative structure plays out at Warner Brothers. I certainly think Jeff Johns is involved in a little bit of everything in yeah. comparison to Kevin Feige, who had nothing to do with the Marvel Netflix shows or mm-hmm. the ones we've seen on ABC or Freeform. 
Um, well, I also feel like because Disney's going through the same thing right now, um, Warner Brothers and DC or Warner Brothers and, and Disney are both just shaking everything up in preparation for their streaming services. True. So you don't know who is where anymore. Yeah, it's hard to tell. But I, I, I don't think they're going to pull lessons from Doom Patrol, but I think they will pick bad lessons to take away from whatever success mm-hmm. they do find in their upcoming slate. I would, I would enjoy if they took the lessons from Doom Patrol and put them on top of Titans. Yes, I would agree with that. Yeah. Titans is terrible. Doom Patrol, fantastic. Yeah. I mean, and then, behind oh, that. God, and then Swamp Thing is coming soon. Not even going to bother. <laughs> Not even going to bother. We got the full trailer. It looks bad. Don't care. You don't have to talk anymore about that. Don't even care. Uh, and I guess one last thing here, uh, worth acknowledging the very sad passing of Peter Mayhew, who, yes. of course, played Chewbacca. <laughs> Um, in every film, I think, including The Last Jedi, but I think the new guy with the unpronounceable Scandinavian name, I'm sorry, sir, you are much bigger than me, you could probably kill me, uh, but he played Chewbacca pretty much the entire time. And mm-hmm. you met him, I believe? I met him twice, and he was just so nice. Uh, I'm, I'm happy that he kind of got his saga complete, mm-hmm. and the fact that, like, when I met him, it was 2010, it was the first time I met him, he lived in dallas so when i would go to comic-con oh okay right was on the same every time every year my mom and i went to comic-con he was on the same flight with us uh and there's always something a little uh refreshing and relaxing when you know like a core character is on your flight yeah because you know you know no one's gonna take it down right i've been on a flight before with nichelle nichols yeah so there you go um but he was so cool he's so tall or he was so tall uh but he he had uh, at least when I saw him, his cane was a lightsaber, which is great. And he would wear this giant, giant sterling silver Chewbacca ring on his pinky finger. That is fantastic. Yeah. I, he lived his character. And sorry, going back to the part about living, like completing his saga, like he was not doing well before Force Awakens. Like he pretty much lost his ability to walk. His knees were so bad and they yeah. didn't have the money to... Um, to, for surgery. And so when Force Awakens was announced, there was a huge fan campaign to raise the money for him mm-hmm. to get him to walk so he could play Chewbacca again. And then I think Disney was like, hey, fans, don't worry. Like, we'll pay for his surgery because yeah. we want him back. And I think that's like the best thing that could happen for him. Yeah. To kind of get that uh, that love and that recognition again. Yeah. Because he's, he's one of those actors that like, People get a little annoyed with like Anthony Anthony Davis, right? Is Anthony that? Daniels. Daniels. Yeah, I've heard he's just kind of a dick. Mm-hmm. But everyone that I talked to about Peter Mayhew, like everyone's always had such a good interaction with him, and he was just always so nice. And it was really, it's really sad to hear that he's gone. Yeah, I know it is sad, and he was, uh, you know, seventy four, which is still. By modern standards, still pretty young. Mm-hmm. Um, but but he, he had a lot of health problems. Yeah, he did. He's been battling that for a while. Um, you know, and but it it has been very nice to see just the the outpouring of love, the very sincere outpouring of love for him from yes. just like everyone across the board, which is um, always nice to see, even even if it's because someone passed. So, mm-hmm. but yeah, um, that's what's been going on with news. I suppose now we should finally get into these episodes because you are right. We won't. Have it's much, Cobra time. You won't have much to talk about. These are god awful. The 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 crux of what's going on here. I'm not even gonna bother to do like a, a, a hold on. Let me let, let me talk about play. what I thought the episodes were gonna be as okay. they were going out. Let's let's hear what you thought they were gonna be first. So this episode starts. Terry gets his ass kicked, uh, and he goes to Bruce really low on confidence. Yeah, he calls himself a hopeless loser. Yeah, 
which is, you know, very high school of him. It's nice yeah. to finally see the high school version of Terry come out. Emo. So emo. Yes. Um, and so Bruce sends him to go train with apparently this long lost friend who we've known for so long named so, Kiari. Yeah. Uh, Carrie. Kari. Kari. Yeah. Kyrie. Bruce. Kyrie. Thank you. Bruce Tim has confirmed that uh, that character is in Batman the Animated Series. Was she in like the background of the like Day of the Samurai? Night yeah, of the Samurai. Uh, what is it? It's Night of the Ninja, Day of the Samurai. Yeah. So in either one of them, uh, there is a girl training in the background when we see Amazing. Bruce with. Uh, what a callback. Oh, Kyoto I can training together. So she's the background. So Bruce has confirmed that, that is her. But yeah, so she they studied under the same uh, master, uh, Sensei Yaru. I had to look all this up, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, she comes from the same school. Yes, the same dojo. Yes. Um, so Terry starts training with her. And at this point, I'm like, fuck yes, this is a training episode. Gonna I'm have a montage. Yes. There was an episode of Teen... Montage. Uh, I, I might say, yeah, I'll call it my favorite episode of Teen Titans is called um, The Master. I think that's what it is, where, where Robin, it's a Robin solo story where he has to climb a mountain to find um, Bruce's old uh, trainer. This sounds familiar. And it's such a good episode, and it kind of does a really good job of subtly teaching Chinese martial arts, which I think is so cool. Uh, where he's climbing the mountain and he has four animals he has to defeat in order to make it to the top of the mountain. Well, that sounds mean to animals. What did yes. they do to him? Yeah, PETA was all over this episode. Um, PETA? Y- yeah. You said PETO. I said PETA. Did you? I did. Mm-hmm. Yes, PETA, the sidekick from the Hunger Games series, was very upset with Robin in this episode. <laughs> Good old PETA Malark. Um, and so I'm like, fuck yeah, we're going to get one of these episodes, and I'm pumped. Uh, oh, I vaguely recall this. She's like an old woman with a little tiny bowler hat and the cane. Yeah. It's pretty good. Yeah, so he has to fight, if I remember, he has to fight a bear at the beginning that teaches him um, hard strikes. Then he has to fight a serpent, uh, which teaches him to use his surroundings. Then he has to fight a monkey, which teaches him balance. A bear, a snake, and a monkey. Okay, yeah. Got it. Hey, I remember. Well done. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's so good. Oh, wait, is that the episode where the rest of the Titans bust into his room? Yes, and, okay. and they all dress as Robin. I, I'm looking through like the plot synopsis right now on Wikipedia, and I just see photos of all of them dressed as Robin, and it looks yeah, fantastic. Like, it's a great A story, but it's an amazing B amazing story. Amazing B story. Oh, my God. That show is so good. Mm-hmm. So I was hoping for that. You're, you're hoping it was going to be like terry being on a quest to go and like be get be better yeah mm-hmm. also only now is he getting sent to get martial arts training after he's been batman the, for the second to last presumably episode two years series. yeah two years at this point it's kind of ridiculous but um, yeah so that was what i was hoping and then it didn't turn into that no it didn't turn into that then we meet xander or yeah Vander. It, it, it's basically yeah terry gets his ass handed to him when a bunch of uh, Cobra henchmen who we met Cobra briefly on uh, the episode of the stalker mm-hmm. like the poison but they're stealing a nuclear bomb from a facility um, did appreciate one of the henchmen is using a, a three point staff big fan of three point staffs uh, oh is that like a, a nunchuck but with three things uh, it's, it's it? a bow staff where it's broken into thirds yeah yeah Okay, so it's like halfway between a bow staff and a nunchuck. Yes. It, it's supposed to be the, the strength and distance of a bow staff with the defense of, um, like, 
with, with better defense. Okay. Mm-hmm. Gotta have a nunchuck. Shut up. Nunchuck! Shut up, shut up, shut up. Uh, so, so, but while that's going on, while Cobra's stealing this bomb, mm-hmm. and while Terry's off uh, being tutelaged in the art of martial arts, uh, right at the point in the episode, we're starting to wonder, wait, wasn't there a nuclear bomb? Terry's like, oh, hey, Bruce, what's happening with that nuclear bomb? Mm-hmm. And then he gets attacked by some Cobra henchmen, again, who are after a paleontologist. Mm-hmm. And then again, I got super excited because I'm like, oh, shit. They're gonna. This is Batman fights Jurassic Park. Well, so and I'm fucking pumped. <laughs> so we, because we do have a, a sequence where Terry and Max go to like a natural history museum to track down this doctor. We came across what I wrote down as Chekhov's T Rex robot, thinking that Terry was absolutely gonna fight that robot. Oh yeah, never happened. Never happened. Never happened. But what we did get is a 16 year old girl flirting with a, I would assume, a 35 year old paleontologist. Quite possibly. Uh, but let's not worry about that. Let's not worry about that so much. But we discovered that this paleontologist has been experimenting with recovered dino DNA. Yes, this is essentially the plot of Jurassic World. And I was so excited. Like it. I'm like Terry's gonna Terry's gonna use martial arts to drop kick a T Rex. Yeah, because basically we get Bruce going. Wait, there's a nuclear bomb and dino DNA. But how are they related? And they're not. And then <laughs> that's you, the answer. Yeah, they're not. And then you mentioned uh, Xander, who is one of the. Also, Xander spelled with a Z, which is stupid. But also, how would you spell it? With an X. Oh yeah. Xander is always spelled with an X. If it's short for Alexander, is there another version? Yeah, just so, I've met people just named Xander with spelled with a Z. Yeah. Well, they're wrong. Well, blame the parents, not the kid. I blame the kids. But we can't blame it with his parents because Xander. Doesn't have is, was doesn't just have created. <laughs> oh, we'll get to that. Um, but yeah, we come across Xander, who's another student. He's like the prime student at the the dojo, and he's got these security guards always following around. Very with him. casual, deep eye shadow. Uh, not oh, not a yeah, foreshadowing just, to anything. Just a hint, just a little bit of hint there. But Terry's talking with him and realizes that Xander has never had pizza. What? What? Well, what? You've never had pizza? I know the best place to take you, which is the Chuck, Chuck E. Cheese, Cheese equivalent <laughs> of Gotham. To go and get what is essentially like cardboard with a bit of tomato sauce on it. But don't worry, while they're there, they run into Max, who then's like, what? You've never played video games? Let's go play Centuries of the Last Cosmos. And also, what? You've never lost to anyone ever? So you're going to get super mad when I beat you at this video game? Hey, hey, hey now, hey now. When you introduce someone to a new game and inter- in, like immediately just beat the shit out of them, they, I think they have a pretty good right to be upset about that. Because like, that's mean. It wasn't like she was putting in that much effort. Yeah, but she's still like I think she was putting in like maybe sixty percent effort and still beat him because he's. But just she that gloated bad. a lot. Was she like, was a very sore winner. Yeah, but it's fine. It's Max. Yeah, she's enduring. We know that. Yeah, but Xander's never met someone like this before. I know, and he's so taken. I'm aback. trying to look through the eyes. He's so of, taken like... aback by her. Um, but yeah. So at the the end, they also build up a lot for Xander to have like a like a change of heart yeah. moment. Okay, that's. I mean, that's the thing that doesn't. And make I think any that's sense. one of the. Yeah, they're they're setting him up to be, I guess, sympathetic that he doesn't have, he hasn't lived a normal life, and we'll see why in the second part. But even after part one, did you care at all about this character? No, I wanted. No. To, I wanted to go back to the dojo. No, I, like, I wanted to see him train. Yeah, I didn't care at all. Like, I don't really care about your mystery. I don't. You're just kind of obnoxious. 
like you're not endearing enough being this like he's not enough of a like if you will like an ingenue sort of thing going on like he's not naive enough in this world to be endearing mm-hmm. he's just an asshole and he doesn't understand the world so how would but you he's make super him entitled how would you make him more likable i would just we start off we start off in the exact same spot we just met him deep eye shadow uh thugs suit bodyguards i um, think you just have his interactions be a bit more engaging and endearing like rather than terry going up to him at the dojo you have xander come up to him be like hey i'm sorry about my guards like it's kind of a weird thing I but don't that know. that's too for me that's too off from his base character what do you mean that's not how he's introduced as someone who is sympathetic to others. I think we have to introduce sympathy to him. So what would you do to make him come across as sympathetic if that's not his inherent space? Uh, well, don't have the Joker show up immediately. <laughs> I, mean, though, I didn't even go over that part. Yeah, when they're at, <laughs> when they're at Chuck E. Cheese. Cheesy Dan's and they get attacked by some Jokers. <laughs> I mean, it was fun to see the reappearance of like the original Jokers gang. Yeah. Uh, with Bruce Tam once again doing the voice of the lead <laughs> Joker, which is fantastic. Um, but okay, so you don't have him get attacked by Jokers. What do you do to make him come across a bit more endearing? Oh my god. Um, something with something with a kid, probably. Like another kid? Yeah. Like another younger kid? Yeah, yeah. Someone who actually should be a Chuck E. Cheese. <laughs> Not these teenagers. Um, yeah, you know, a kid, you know, a game breaks, a vending machine. Oh, here you go. Vending machine, uh, like, didn't steal as money, but like, you know, when it drops down... And it gets stuck, and there's a kid crying, and then Xander comes and just like kicks the machine, and the thing falls down. Very, very small, very subtle. So you still gets to use martial arts. You you basically just do that same scene in Aladdin where Jasmine gives the the poor starving kid an apple. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, it works. You have him literally save a cat, maybe at some point. Why not? Maybe a dinosaur cat. <laughs> a little baby Saratooth tiger. Yeah. Something where you, you very subtly introduce the concept of sympathy. Okay. Because that's just something he just doesn't have. Okay. Um, and then from there, you kind of put him in situations where he can start to see the perspective of others. Rather than having him just be, like, prissy and entitled the entire time? Yes. Okay. Do you also think that we are less sympathetic to him now because the cultural perception of entitlement has gotten more egregious in the last 20 years? Like, do you think when this episode aired, people were like, oh yeah, he's like kind of bratty, but whatever, he's fine. Whereas now we're like, oh my God. No, I think he's always, um, I think no matter when you watch this episode, he's always going to be just kind of like a I think the idea of entitlement has changed over the years. Yeah. Where he doesn't flaunt. I, you know, I feel like if we had this character now, he would flaunt it more. He doesn't flaunt his wealth, but he comes across as being very entitled. Yes. And, you know, that's uh, that's just old money. That's yeah, just that's, true. that's been around forever. We still have that kind of entitlement. Yeah. Does Co- is Cobra considered old money? Where do they get their money from anyways? I don't know. I guess they're an ancient cult. Are they ancient? I don't know. I would assume so. I would also assume not, given what we learned about Xander in episode two. Yeah, and also their logo is very modern. Yeah, that's true. Oh, oh, that fucking logo. Jesus Christ. But no, so like the whole thing ends with, uh, how, how does it work? Uh, Terry, Terry is grabs sh- onto a ship and then... Oh, 
Max gets kidnapped. Yes. And Terry goes after them. He recognizes the limo, but he gets defeated by the henchman with a, what's that thing he called? The three-part tr- staff. Three-part staff. Mm-hmm. Um, and he like cracks a bunch of ribs. And then like the cliffhanger is Terry just laying in a pile of garbage. You know, the sort of thing you want from a really intense cliffhanger. Yes. Like this, this is why I particularly dislike these episodes. Like this is barely interesting enough for one part, much mm-hmm. less two. I think if they would if I think if they would have ended it three minutes earlier, where it's the last shot is Max being carried off by the ship, and it then you do the the wide shot of you hear Max being like Batman. She'd probably say Terry because they still fucking say no, Terry. No, all the time. she learned a lesson. She never says it anymore. There was the episode with Curare on the phone. She said Terry, but she's on the phone. It's not like she's out in the real world. Yeah, no, I know she learned the lesson. That's why her saying Terry on the phone upset me a little bit. Um, you end it with them flying off, and then Batman kind of watching. That might, yeah, that might have been a bit, a bit better. I just, yeah, I didn't, I didn't care. Yeah. That's the problem. I just, I didn't care about. Xander, I didn't really care about the plot they've been setting or up. Or you end it two minutes later where uh, Terry wakes up in the Batcave, is injured, and you end it with Bruce being like, yeah, you fucked up. I'll fix it. And then you end it with him walking away from Terry. Okay, that could have been more interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because then you're excited like, oh, shit, Bruce is going to intervene. He like He doesn't do that. So you know shit's getting crazy if Bruce has to walk up. Again, that would be more interesting yeah. to bring Bruce into this. Because I just, I really, I really... Because he, he was in it for a minute. Yeah, like a hot second. Because by the time we get to part two, like I said, I already wasn't invested in it. But essentially, uh, they now know that Xander is somehow connected with Cobra. So they go and talk to uh, Kyrie, And she's like, oh yeah, he was a cult leader. And I was like, well, maybe if I teach him how to not be a cult leader, he won't be a cult leader. Yeah, teach him the art of Bushido. He's a fucking cult leader. Like, what do you expect to happen here? She teach don't, him sympathy. Don't she didn't teach him sympathy. She taught him just how to fight people. Like, don't she taught him the code of the samurai? Well, clearly he missed those lessons. Yes, he spent his entire time trying to balance a fucking chair on his face. It's a very important rule of the samurai. Ugh, so she's been like teaching him because he's a cult leader. We, what you sit on, you must also be okay with it sitting on you. <laughs> I'm trying to think where to go with that. I don't. <laughs> I don't have a good response to that, to be perfectly honest. Yes. That's that's how Bushido works. Oh no, I just went to a really inappropriate place that I'm not. I know. Gonna, I'm, I know. I, I'm not gonna go there. Um, <laughs> no, I know exactly where you went. I tickle myself sometimes. Uh, but no, they they all they have of Xander is like a phone number that Bruce puts into a tracing program that eventually breaks level encryption, and somehow the numbers spell out. The Cobra emblem? It makes no fucking sense. It's a stupid emblem. It's the future, Chris. It's the future. It's the future. Numbers are different then. It's dumb. But then we jump over to the the cult where we discover that Xander kidnapped Max, not because he's angry at her for beating him in a video game, but because he's rather enthralled with her because he's never met someone like her. Oh, here, here. I'll I'll make an an understanding of the image thing. Okay. Um, That's their Apple ID logo. Or image. <laughs> and so it's not that the number encrypted, it's not that the number turned into the logo. It's once they understood the number and they understood it was an Apple product, as their Apple photo popped up. And I like it was that. the logo. I like that. It's a profile photo. Yes. God. 
Uh, but so Xander explains that it was uh, very annoying when Apple is just like, "Hey, you have to put up a photo," and I'm like, "All right, fine. What do we have just, on the hard drive?" It's just something. It's like we have, you know, I can take a photo of myself. No, no, Mark, no, you're not I, taking a photo of you. <laughs> I don't want to take a photo now. But I, have, but I just I, got a haircut. He's like, "No, I, I can tell. You're telling everyone you just got a haircut. No one's telling you. It must not be a good haircut." <laughs> You know how it works when you're like, do you guys notice that I got that? And then, like, clearly everyone knows, but it's not good enough for them to, to talk about. You know what I'm talking about? No, but I'm going to let you keep talking. <laughs> That's not true. I'm going to cut you off. That's fine. So- <laughs> Are you going to stop cutting you off all the time? No, that's fine. That's not true. I'm going to keep doing it. Um, but yeah, so what was happening? Oh, Xander explains that he was genetically engineered from... in for the cult leader like we don't one presumes that his dna came from like specifically chosen people yes but he wasn't like he wasn't born he was put into an artificial womb um and hatched yeah and hatched basically he was born this way he was born to be an Mm a-hole um and so he was raised he's on the right track baby (laughs) yes he was born this way but he don't be a drag just be a queen but he has been taught by everyone. He was like raised in the art of war and understanding. Like he probably read a lot of like Machiavelli and Sun Tzu growing up. Uh, he also they do this is oh not not Sun Tzu because that's too peaceful. It's the art of war. Yeah, but it's still like a calming look on war. Yeah, but I, I'm pretty sure dictators they'll probably read. That's true. The art of war. I don't know. I've never read the art of war. That's why you're not a dictator. It's probably for the best. If you ever see me reading The Art of War, I'll, be, I'll, be concerned. I'll rip pages out. Exactly. But, just, <laughs> but make sure you rip out the pages about the bad stuff and leave the good stuff yeah. in. I'll just, I'll just write strategic. over it. Yeah. Just doodle over the whole thing. Yeah. But yeah, so he's going to be a cult leader. He was trained like watching old military tactics and stuff like that. They also have a scene of him with uh, Dr. Cuvier, who was the uh, splicing geneticist from the beginning of season two mm-hmm. um and we also which i guess God, do you remember the good old days season two jesus christ season <laughs> two um there's a lot of bad episodes in this show isn't there <laughs> mm-hmm. man but so we see that he's been raised this way we now see him wearing this very bizarre cult leader outfit with exposed nipples i was gonna say it puts it puts like muscles muscle shirt to shame like yeah, I, I looked at this and I'm like, this feels like the inverse of the way women are dressed in video games. Yes. Where it's like, it, normally in women you would have, like, it's the opposite of the uh, like the Emma Frost X-Men uniform mm-hmm. from the new X-Men, where it's like the X is her exposed chest and somehow the shirt like wraps around her or whatever. Yeah. It's like the opposite of that. It's just like, there's just fabric in the middle and just like nipple and side boob. Yeah, yeah you know how, totally how exposed. Thanos has like that yellow T on his yes. outfit? It's, if, if... That was the whole shirt. That was the whole shirt and nothing yeah. else. That and just a cape and an elaborate snake helmet. Yes. Um, but he believes, or the whole cult has always believed, that dinosaurs were like the perfect genetic specimens until they died and couldn't adapt. But they've been hunting this down, and so they have stolen the DNA, the dino DNA from the paleontologist because they're going to make spliced... Human dino hybrids. Dino hybrids. Yes. 
this is the plot we're getting from Jurassic World 3, right? Oh, like, this I is what, can't fucking this is what, wait. This is what everyone assumes that trajectory is going to go. Oh, no, I, I'm, exp- I'm fully expecting to get a Planet of the Apes situation. Okay. Well, either one of them sounds dumb as fuck. Yes. This is particularly stupid because we have these really horrible-looking dino man things. I feel like it was, it was like lost concept art of Killer Croc. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, yeah, we'll just use that. Sure. Also, I would have really loved a Killer Croc reference in this episode. <clears throat> in what sense? I don't know. I just would really, really enjoy one. Just something about like dealing with someone with big teeth, maybe. <clears throat> yeah, I mean, Bruce has fought something like this before. Yeah. And even even if it's just water? the very end where Terry good? makes, I'm fine. It's <laughs> getting a little choked up about this episode. It's just so emotional. <clears throat> yeah. Um. Where Terry makes some comment at the end of the episode. If, if in my ideal version, Terry mm-hmm. makes some comment at the end where it's like, you don't know what it's like fighting such big teeth. And he's like, have you been to the sewers? You know, something dumb. Is it? Yeah, that'd be pretty really dumb. <laughs> I mean, I'm surprised there isn't like a, a shed killer croc oh, yeah, skin in yeah. like a husk inside the, the trophy room in the bad cave. Mm-hmm. But yeah, they, they create dino human hybrids. And their plan is to detonate this nuclear bomb inside of a volcano. dormant volcano. The, the volcano of Gotham that we've known about for a while. You oh, know, yeah. Gotham's volcano. The one just outside of Gotham. Yeah, that we see in the background of every shot. Mount Gotham, as, as most people refer to it as. Like, the, uh. <laughs> I fucking... I, Almost busted out laughing when wait, I saw that there was a volcano on. right outside of Gotham. O- outside of Hawaii, are there any volcanoes in the United States? There has to be one. Like, because I know Old Faithful is a geyser. Wait, what? Uh, Helen? Oh, Mount St. Helen? Yeah. That's a dormant one. That's a dormant Kano. I'm going I'm to shorten volcano to Kano from now on. Oh, uh, okay. Okay. Yeah. Here we go. Yeah. Uh, Kilauea in Hawaii, Yellowstone. Oh, I guess there is an active volcano there. That's right. Mount St. Helen, Mount Rainier, Mount Shasta, Mount Hood, Mount... Ba- Never mind. Yeah. I'm like... <laughs> there's a lot of them. Um, but I don't think there's and now any... Mount Gotham we add to I, that I list. don't think there's any outside of New Jersey. Um, but yeah, they're going to detonate this because I guess that trench runs particularly far down. And so... Detonating this bomb at the bottom of it will basically raise the temperature of the whole planet, which is necessary for the dino hybrids to survive because they're cold-blooded, even though modern research has indicated that carnivores are probably warm-blooded, the dinosaurs were. Mm-hmm. So that doesn't hold up. And also, all. like, you have the ability to edit DNA. Why not yeah. just not make you cold-blooded? Just throw some amphibian in there. Yeah. It's worked in the past. Life will find a way. Uh, but they basically go up in their massive floating fortress thing to set this thing off. Terry shows up. Fighting ensues. The ship is going to blow up. Xander and we have our moment. Himself. Hold on. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then we have our moment. Xander's defeated, so we assume. Mm-hmm. And then the ship starts falling apart, and we see the teacher fall under a bunch of rubble. We see Xander like, okay, this is your moment, Xander. You can finally... Fix yourself. You can help your teacher, the person who you just had a whole conversation about not having anyone care about you. You now have this person who's cared about you right in front of you. Yep. You can save her. 
Or, or <laughs> you can just let your massive ship and the both of you blow up. Yes. You have these very clear options, Xander. Which do you choose? Which you choose? The shitty one, obviously. The so, one where the ship blows up and they both go down with it. Yeah, the whole... Yeah, I mean, it was kind of fun that, like, um, Kyrie comes back in time to, like, save Terry. Not in time, but... Oh, sorry. <laughs> she doesn't come back from time, but yes. she shows up in time. Yes. To save Kyrie. Like, the whole plot is, like, kind of Bondian, but it's Bondian, the point of being dumb, that it's actually the, basically just the plot of the first Austin Powers movie. Hey, ho, ho, hold on. Oh, hang on. Don't misunderstand me. I'm not calling the first Austin Powers movie dumb. That okay. is actually one of the most fantastic satires I've ever written. Mm -hmm. I love Austin Powers. It, Shag, Shag Me is the first one, right? No, The Spy Who Shagged Me is the second one. Okay. Austin Powers, the first one, just Austin Powers, International Man of Mystery. Okay. And then, of course, the third one is Austin Powers. Gold Member. Gold Member, which is, for the most part, not particularly good, except for two things. Beyonce. Three things. <laughs> Four things. <laughs> Beyonce, just in general. Beyonce uh, again. <laughs> specifically the scene with Beyonce and Nathan Lane where Nathan Lane is um mouthing to what Beyonce is saying as mm -hmm. like a, oh my a, God, a misdirection. That's so good. There's an amazing moment where like Beyonce snaps her finger in the compact and Nathan Lane goes, ow, and like it's fucking brilliant. I love that scene. Mm -hmm. Uh the opening sequence with like the fake movie being yes, made. Yes, Tom Cruise. That is genius. And then of course, every single moment with Michael Caine is spectacular because mm -hmm. Michael Caine is an international treasure and he's so fucking funny in that movie. Yes. But anyways, the plot of the first is the powers movie is they're going to detonate a nuclear bomb inside of an active volcano and basically just cause magma to spill everywhere. Mm -hmm. That's the plot of this fucking okay. show. Yes. yes. <laughs> and it's so, so dumb. And just, I mean, like we were saying, I don't care about this episode at all. I don't care about the villains. I don't care about like the emotional hook character with Xander. I don't care about the plot. Like, this is the worst two-parter we've had in the entire DCAU, right? Yes. I, was I feel like there was one really bad two-parter before. I was looking this up. I'm looking. I was, Didn't I, we have one at the end of okay. VTOS? So the I'm, end of Superman, I'm looking maybe. through the episodes. Cat and the Claw. Mm -hmm. Not great, but pretty solid. Yeah. Red Claw's cool. Catwoman's cool. Uh, Feet of Clay, obviously really good. Um, Two-Face. Great. Great. Uh, an essential couple of episodes. Um, Heart of Steel, not the biggest fan, but there's some good shit in there. Some cool designs. Um, blah, 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 blah. Robin's Reckoning. Great. My personal favorite BTOS episodes. The Demon's Quest. Raz al Ghul. Shirtless Batman. Shirtless Batman versus Shirtless Raz. Mm -hmm. Another Bondian plot, but better. Um, I just like saying the word Bondian. I know. Uh, Shadow of the Bat. Great. Introduction of Batgirl. Um, okay, that's all the BTOS two-parters. Now, Superman. Yeah, I feel like there was one other that we Superman. that we really disliked. Uh, so last time Krypton's a three potter, but still yeah, unnecessary. Great episodes. Yeah, um, the main man, great stuff there. Lobo, that's right. Okay, yeah, the yeah, yeah. preserver, uh, the origin Starro. of Starro, yeah. who we recently saw. Uh, Blast from the past. That's the one with Jack, oh, Or, and Mala. Mm -hmm. Not great, but there's some good stuff in there. I would argue. Yes, um, I think those are like you could skip them, but they're you know decent. Uh, Apocalypse Now, obviously. Great. Fantastic. Yeah. Um, and then Legacy, also really good. Yes. Yeah. And then we've had in Batman Beyond, uh, The Pilot. Mm hmm Great couple episodes. The Call, really good. Which one was that? The most recent one. The one with Superman. Yes. Great. It's Starro. Mm hmm This is the worst two-parter so far in the entire DCAU. Yes, I agree. Like, this will not be on my short list. 
it's terrible. It made me mad. I had to sit through like a full hour of this. <laughs> so mad. Fucking wasted my time. I don't even have thoughts on it. Uh, there was a joke that I really enjoyed. Oh, really? Yes. Um, also, I feel like we're going to spend this entire episode shitting on this two-parter, and then Maddie is going to come back and just be like, no, Batman Beyond, best episode. I mean, he, he can have his opinion. My favorite line is when he gets to the, the hideout, and it's like a waste <laughs> facility, uh, and Bruce says, can you think of a better way to keep people away from it? And Terry oh, says, yeah. call it a high school. Call it high school. Like, hey, ah, got him. So good. Got him there. Yeah. Um, no, I hated these episodes. Absolutely hated them. I can't wait to see Mount Gotham come back into play. <laughs> Never again. Um, yeah, anything else? Uh, no. Teacher okay. didn't really have to sacrifice herself, but cool. Nope, definitely job. didn't. Thanks. Uh, I don't really have anything in terms of notes from friends. Uh, the sort of stuff we've been getting has mostly been in regards to Endgame. Yes. And I don't think we're necessarily going to cover that here. Uh, so that being said, why don't we just jump straight into Bat Plugs. Cameron. What you got to plug this week? I got to plug. I got a, I got a few things to plug. It's been a while since we've done a a, a good plugging. <laughs> Continue. <laughs> um, on my flight back a few weeks ago, I rewatched a movie that I remember enjoying in high school, but watching it now brought back so much joy. Uh, and I think we've talked about it before. I might have even plugged it before. Oh, my God. Are you better to say Spy Kids 3D? Let's say Spy Kids now. <laughs> no. I was genuinely thought. I really, really thought that's where you were going. Because I did send you an Instagram post someone put up recently about, forget the Endgame cast. Look at this amazing cast from Spy Kids 3D. Yes. Um, no, I, I did watch Spy Kids recently, but that's not my plug. Um, no, I'm talking about the movie Charlie Bartlett. I've actually never seen that. It's... So good. Like watching it now, it's it might have. I mean, it cracked my top ten of top ten movies. Um, because I mean, it's it's Robert Downey Jr. I think and Anton Yelkin right at the base of his comeback, right? Yes, this is pre Iron Man, and I think it's two thousand five. I want to say so, right around. Um, uh, so run the same kiss, 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 bang, kiss, bang, bang, bang. Oh, yeah, which is a great fucking film. Oh, and Kat Dennings. Yeah, I think it's her first film. Oh wait, holy shit! Okay. Hope Davis is in this. Who does she play? Does she play the wife of... Oh, no, okay. She plays Anton Yelchin's mom. Yes. Hope Davis. Who is great. Did you re- do you recognize her, though? No. That is Maria Stark. Oh. Hey. From the MCU. So she has also played Robert Downey Jr.'s mom. Oh. Uh, it's pretty crazy. Yeah, this movie... 2007 is when it came out. So right before Iron Man. Yeah, so after Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, before Iron Man, mm-hmm. before um, Sherlock Holmes, got it. Yes. Um, yeah, this movie is, for people who don't know, I'll, I'll give a very, very brief um, synopsis. Uh, Charlie Bartlett is a super, super rich kid who is continuously kicked out of schools by running illegal things to try and become popular. Um, so he starts up at this high school, this public high school where he realizes everyone's fucked up mentally in some way or another and uses his on-call family therapist to dish out, um, drugs to everyone in the school to heal their problems. That's crazy. Yeah. I love it. 
it's a very weird premise, but it's very real, and it's so good. I mean, that that is an amazing cast. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, Anton Yelchin, his passing, for so many reasons, continues to be a tragedy, because I think he would have become, like... He was already an amazing actor. You just think about what would have happened, given time. Yeah. You feel like he would have been one of those guys that, like in another five years or so would have started popping up in like really serious, like Oscar contending films. We'd Absolutely. We get nominations. And, and you like, see that a lot in this, like he, he shows yeah. his range in this movie. He's, he's, he's really Everyone good. does. Yeah. Um, oh, it's, it's such a shame. Mm-hmm. He's so good. And especially cause I didn't know it at the time, but now knowing Robert Downey Jr.'s past, uh, like his character is a father dealing with alcoholism. Oh shit. And, and, claiming to the public that he's over it or that he's cured, but internally knowing that he's still struggling with it constantly. Yeah. And it's, the movie's so good. I I need to go watch it. It's on Amazon. Is it on Amazon? Okay, Mm -hmm. cool. Yeah. Yeah. So highly, highly, highly recommend this movie. Um, and then I think Robert Downey Jr. is still only one of two actors to get around the Disney no ex con rule. Like Disney for the longest time, I don't know if they still do, had a role about not hiring ex-cons. Mm-hmm. The exceptions being Tim Allen and Robert Downey Jr. Yes. I think so. I'm curious if there's more. Fun fact. <laughs> Great facts. Yeah. Um, and then the other movie I'm going to plug is a more recent film. A movie you and Shane were both pretty vocal about not wanting to see, if I remember correctly. But I saw The Long Shot. The Charlize oh, Theron. how was Seth it? I, I was intrigued by it. It's, it's really good. It's cute. There are moments, there's, there's a, not really subplot, there's a moment at the beginning of the movie that I wish they would have leaned heavier into, um, which, which is kind of the idea of, like, you know, you have a woman running for president, what, like, how does the public, I mean, you know, we, we had Hillary. Yeah. Um, but, you know, in, in this heightened reality, how does the public react to a female uh, contender and what internally are they struggling? Like, you know, how do they handle yeah. the added on pressure? Mm-hmm. And they, you know, they throw two or three jokes out at the beginning about that. But then after that, they just completely gloss over that mm-hmm. part of the story. Uh, but other than that, it's great. They have undeniable, like weird, weird chemistry. Yeah. They're so good together. I, I could see that actually. Like, and he's not, cause you know, I think, Shane brought up a point of like, you know, Seth Rogen plays the same character every time. Yeah. Uh, I think this is, you know, he's, he's matured in this movie. What, what I will say about Seth Rogen, cause I think he gets just kind of lumped into the same general persona he has done since like knocked up. Mm-hmm. I actually haven't seen that to be fair. I never finished knocked up. Um, but what I will always say about his characters is they always have a lot of heart mm-hmm. and, I think in a way that helps give his performances a little bit more meat than not to be mean, but like Kevin James, who I think kind of falls in the same sort of similar roles. Yeah. Um, whereas those are often played just kind of for like dumb laughs. I think Seth Rogen actually really gives personality to his characters. Absolutely. Um, and I, I, I think he is genuinely likable, which is a big difference. Yeah. Um, and I, I would love to talk, I would love to get the female perspective on the ending of this film, mm-hmm. which I won't go into here. Um, but yeah, there's, 
this makes me question a few things. Okay. Uh, and also, fucking uh, Andy Circus is in the movie. Andy, what? Yeah, I didn't like the whole audience when his name popped up in the credits. They're like, "What? Where he's in it? Uh, he plays a a heightened version of um, Murdoch. Who's who's the head of Fox? Rupert Murdoch. Rupert Murdoch. Uh, is he like under just, a fuckload of makeup? Oh yeah, he's he's covered in prosthetics. Okay. And yeah, it's. It's very fun to think about him after, like, after you see his name. Yeah. Like, oh, of course that was him. Uh, that's so bizarre. Yeah. Because I, I also also know that uh, June Day and Raphael is in this, which I was excited about. Oh, that's right. I, yeah. I, I yeah, don't she know plays she like is. the like the chief of staff or whatever. Too. Yeah. Oh my god, that is her. Yeah. Holy shit, she's great. I love her. Yes. I mean, for those of you who don't know, she does an amazing podcast. Uh, slash sometimes live show called How Did This Get Made with her husband, Paul Shear and the amazing Jason Manzoukas. Jason Manzoukas. We've gone to a few live Ooh. tapings. It's, yeah, right, yeah. They are so good. She is absolutely hilarious. Mm-hmm. Love to see her pop in more, pop yes, in more stuff. Yes, she's so. great. Everyone in that movie does such a good job. Mm-hmm. And then um, their president is you know very much a parody of our president. Okay. Um, and the the kind of the spark at the beginning of the movie is he decides he's not going to run for a second term because he wants to work on his film career. <laughs> fucking genius. Oh my God. That's actually really good. Yeah. And then kind of a bit of a running joke at the beginning is them like, it's like, you know, actor, you know, cause he, he started off as a TV show actor. Mm-hmm. He's like, not many actors can say they've done that where they could jump from, from TV to film. Like that's a big accomplishment. And I'm like, you're the president. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, yeah, but I'll be up there with like, you know, George Clooney and uh, I don't remember the second person he says, but they, they always mention two people and they're like, yeah, that's it. Yeah, that's, it. that's pretty much it. Mm-hmm. Uh, is it spoilerific to say who plays that person or is it, are they um, at all? No, it's, oh, it's uh, Bob Odenkirk. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. It's okay. so, it's, it's definitely worth a watch. Okay. I, I was hopeful for it. Mm-hmm. Based on the trailers, I... Was excited about it. I have a general rule, which is if the final gag of a trailer is someone like doing a face plant and a reaction shot of everyone going like, ooh, yeah. I won't go see it because it's the laziest joke possible. Mm-hmm. It's a terrible punchline for a trailer. Um, so I was skeptical based off of that, but everything else I saw looked good. So I'm glad yes. to hear it's good. It's, it's, it's a very fun film. Okay. Uh, I'll have to go check it out then. Yes. What do you have to plug? Uh, I went and saw Missing Link. I also saw Missing Link. Oh, you did? I did. What'd you think? That was okay. Yeah, it's fun. It's probably I'd probably rank it the lowest of Leica films. Uh, yeah, I haven't seen all of them. Mm-hmm. So with this, I've seen three of the five. I have not seen Box Trolls. I have not seen Paranorman. Oh, never mind. I don't like Box Trolls because it's uh, Coraline, mm-hmm. Paranorman, yes, Box Trolls, yes, Kubo, Kubo, this, yes. Uh, again, I have not seen Paranorman, which I heard people love. I love it. I think it's fair to say that Kubo is their best film. Easily. Kubo is... A I, masterpiece. Yes, I was going to agree with you. I was going to say masterpiece. This is fine. It's it's fun. Um, I think the voice performance is really good. I think there are a lot of really good jokes in there. Mm-hmm. They are sparse in terms of the really good jokes, but overall the tone is very playful. Well, I, think it's just, I think it's just a younger film. Like it it's, is. It's, it def- it's definitely meant for a younger audience. Yeah, it definitely skews younger, but there's some really, really good funny stuff in there. Um, I really like the performance of the lead character he's because he's very like pompous and difficult but still very charming and likable because he's Hugh Jackman which yes. always helps uh I 
I think it's fair to say it's a recommendation. I would definitely recommend seeing it. I don't know about you. Uh, I would say it's it's a, it's an airplane movie. I think it's fair. I think it's yeah. Airplane it's movie. not something you have to see in theaters. Yeah, I think it might be out of theaters now because of Endgame. Yeah, there's like two available screenings to mm-hmm. go see. Uh, I will say that I really love the opening sequence when uh, yeah, Hugh Jackson's so character good. goes searching for the Loch Ness monster. I won't say what happens, but the way that whole sequence plays out uh, sets up his character very well in a very fun way. Mm-hmm. Um, no, I, I quite uh, I quite enjoyed it. That's really cute. It's very cute. It's very fun. Very um, unique style, which is you know it's Leica. So yeah, like they're they're so good at giving little details to their human characters, right? So it's like even the main guy has this very bright red nose, mm-hmm. or one of the the kind of like thugs has this very pronounced pimple on his face and stuff like that, like yeah. or whatever. And it's just those little details um, that come through really really well. But yeah, it's it's fun. Mm-hmm. It's fun. Um, saw that, and then I started watching, finally, Queer Eye on Netflix. Wow. Welcome to the club. Hashtag worst gay. See my podcast. Um, it's amazing. It's so good. It's so good. Um, I had a few major takeaways, uh, which is one, I thought it's very interesting that I decided to fill the whole thing out in Atlanta. I'm sure there was some fantastic production credits. Tax credits going their way, decided to do that. Mm-hmm. But I also think that so they, they started traveling. So season three is in Kansas. Okay. Wow. They've gone real far. Yeah. Um, but I will say, I think hey, that no, it's Casey Mo. I got a lot of friends there still. Okay, fine. Uh, I actually kind of like they said it there though. I, I think it gives them a, a broad spectrum to pull from. Cause even just the different people I'm, I'm basically about done with the first season now at this point. Um, you know, it gives them a, a large range to draw from in terms they go to. Um, Karamo is like so handsome and charming and delightful. Mm-hmm. He's just like a walking god, and I adore him. Uh, Anthony is useless. Hey, hey, now, <laughs> uh, like, does he understand a food that's not an avocado? <laughs> no. All right, it's like, oh my god, I'm gonna help you make like the simplest guacamole. Like, girl, everyone can make a guacamole. It's really easy. It's not that healthy. I mean, it's healthier than what all these people are eating, but it's not. I mean, come on. Yeah. No. Like, you kind of watch this, and there's always some things you feel like aren't going to maintain. Like, you think, okay, maybe some of these folks will keep up, say, their new wardrobe. Like, they'll wear the new clothes that were bought for them. You know, they're probably going to keep the space as it's been redecorated, but I'm sure it'll get, like, messy and cluttered and Mm -hmm. over time. Maybe they'll like maintain most of their uh, new grooming habits, that sort of thing. And hopefully they've taken some like the emotional lessons from it. The thing that none of them are going to keep doing is making fucking guacamole going forward. Or his like, his, his like fancy, like grapefruit avocado salad thing. Like, no, they made this once cause they're on camera. They will never make it again because it's not a real fucking meal. Yes. Teach these fuckers how to meal prep. God damn it. Well, I think it's, it's more of like, it's not had for that segment. It's not as much changing their life, but impressing others. See, yeah. So that's that, something that like, if they're going, if they're doing like a potluck or friends are coming over, then they're like, oh, I can make you this great uh, avocado grapefruit yeah, salad. But that's, that's impressive maybe twice. Yeah. Like it is well established amongst my friends. I can make two things in this world. Chicken piccata and Bailey's creme brulee. And God damn it, I make them both very, very well. Mm-hmm. But once I've done that, I have nothing else to offer. So I have to go find new friends yeah. to impress them <laughs> once with it. I, I get to hang out with my friends twice. <laughs> exactly. That's all I've got. Yeah. But it's like, no one is going to You have yet keep... to make either for me. Yeah. Like, that only works once as, like, a big thing. Like, oh, you can entertain now. 
people are coming back over for entertainment. Like, oh, what are we having? Oh, we're we're we're, we're having your like chicken piccata again, like leek and prosciutto grilled cheese again. Okay, yeah, that, I mean that was fine the first time. It's not like even what he's teaching the make is that impressive. Like, mm-hmm. no, instill good, long-lasting habits, Anthony. You useless, useless person. I mean, you're cute, but you're useless. Um, also, that show has made me cry. Yeah, it makes everyone cry. Yeah. Uh, I just, again, I just was watching season one, so it was the episode with the cop. And when they present the uh, the quilt at the end of the episode, it made, mm-hmm. me, it made me cry. <laughs> the way that I can cry, which is like single bro tears. Understandable. Down my, my left cheek specifically. It's only on my left side of my face that cries. Isn't it, isn't it a, a thing of like, I'm sure it's very wrong. But there was something on the internet a few years ago that's like if you if you're sad you'll cry from the left first and if you're happy you'll cry from the right first. Really? I think it's bullshit. That but sounds, that'd be interesting if that, that was true. That sounds like bullshit. Yeah. I mean, I'm trying to think the last time I cried because I was happy. I'm trying to think the last time I was happy. Yeah. Oh, that that's the first <laughs> that's question. That's a real challenge. <laughs> That's not true, Cameron. I was happy when you showed up today to record the podcast. Yeah, I'm sure. And I cried out of the right side of my face, and I quickly wiped it away before you could see it. Mm-hmm. So As I was taking my shoes off. Exactly. <laughs> Look how considerate he is oh, every time. <laughs> every time. These beautiful laminate floors. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's a great show. People should go watch it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, oh, I guess I should plug. I'm on another podcast. I should probably plug that. How dare you? I forgot. Not only are you cheating on me with another podcast, but you're flaunting it in my face. Yeah. Uh, I recorded a podcast with a a boxing friend. It's called Hashtag Life Goals, and it's uh, two friends that talk about them trying to better themselves in life. And they brought me on to talk about the future of streaming services, which you know I'm very, very passionate about. You do love to talk about that. I do very much so. Uh, in, in typical fashion for me, it's very filled with tangents and, uh, off topic conversations. Would we expect any less at this point? Yes. Uh, basically if you've heard my, my long tangents about streaming services on here, you've heard basically all my points already. Yeah. Unless you skip the news section every week. Yeah. You've heard it. (laughs) Um, but yeah, I, I got to talk about that. That's awesome. Yeah. And it was really fun. Uh, so it's called, uh, it's called, Life Goals Pod on Instagram, and everyone should go check it out. Nice. Yeah. Yeah, go check it out. Um, I think that basically does it for this week. A slightly shorter episode. I know. Is, it's which, You know, is, we, we needed nice. a palate cleanser after the two-hour uh, endgame podcast. Yeah, the two-hour, 15-minute endgame podcast. Uh, it was a fun one, though. It was very fun. It's good. Um, it's always great when I get cut off every sentence. Yep. Uh, but... I know uh, a few of you did write in with some thoughts about Endgame. I think we'll maybe cover those when we do another brief discussion of Endgame when we get to our MCU ranking episode. Yes. Um, So we'll do that there. But, uh, of course, thank you for sending in your thoughts on the movie. It's always exciting to get to engage with everybody. Um, Specific shout-outs to uh, Maddie Washburn and Ashley Clark, who are some of our most frequent opinion sender people. Yes. I couldn't think of better. Patrons? No. um, No. Friends. Contributors? Collaborators? Yeah. Dear sweet friends in our hearts. Yes. Uh, And they both wrote about Endgame specifically, so very much love that. Uh, And like I said, we'll talk about that next week. But if you do want to reach out to us, uh, if you also thought that these two episodes of Batman Beyond were 
fucking terrible as we did. Uh, you can find us at Tim Talk Pod on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Gmail. Yes. Uh, I am at Lordifer on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, if you want to see my art, you can find that at Cameron.Dexter. If you want to see my face and all my soon-to-be Japan adventures, you can find that at CamDexter underscore adventures. Yeah, coming up very soon. So you, when this comes out on Tuesday, you are leaving on Friday. Friday. Yeah. Coming in soon. Mm-hmm. So yeah, you can see Cameron in Tokyo. You can see me in Vegas. You'll probably see much more of Cameron in Tokyo because I barely ever post Instagram. Yeah. But uh, exciting times. I'm sure I'll ahead. post something. I'm sure there's some Batman thing in, in Japan that please, I'll post at the please page. Send. Yeah. yeah. Or at this point, just send something Marvel because that's frankly what we talk about more often than A little bit. anything else. Mm-hmm. Um, but as always, thank you for listening, everybody. Thanks so much. Bye. Bye.